Hey everyone, welcome to Tim and Sam, Sam and Tim, a podcast where Tim Gillespie and Sam Lenore invite you into a conversation with them and many of their friends where they explore life, faith, modern culture, and friendship. everyone this is tim and sam sam and tim how you doing sam i'm great tim how are you i'm good you look you look less yellow today your 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 camera looks better um, you're sorting it out well i think what you're looking at is a a well-rested relaxed renewed individual who's coming out of a holiday weekend maybe you're just not jaundiced anymore like your liver has started working again like <laughs> <laughs> my liver sir <laughs> Uh, you know, my, the life I've led, my hard life has uh, done numbers to my liver. Dude, um, I got to tell you, um, a little listener feedback. I don't think anyone's laughed so hard as the pepperoni situation that you talked about in our vegetarianism podcast. Wow. That was, yeah, I guess so. People laughed that, at, at your situation. I, I, think, I think people who grew up like me probably identify with it because... You know what I did hear is somebody who somebody who said I I'm going through that right now. Really? Yeah. So was um, what you said helpful? And <laughs> the inspired observations we make on this podcast are blessing somebody <laughs> somewhere. That's what I pray every time we push record. <laughs> hey, I want to ask you about um. So as we record this right now, you are living uh, just yards away. Can we say yards? Feels like yards. Away from one of the biggest fires burning in California. Yeah, it's nothing like? like the it's nothing like the Creek Fire, which I think in Central California, which I think is, I mean, they had to save two hundred people, airlift two hundred people out. Um, was it yesterday or Sunday? So yeah, we're not that bad, but we are looking at the El Dorado fire. I mean, literally looking at it. It's in Yucaipa over the hill, and um, it seems to be moving on the other other edge of the ridge, so it's not coming west. Um, uh, but I know that there are some people in our church that have had, um, that have had structures that have been lost on their properties. Wow. And, um, at least one family that we know of had an 80 acre ranch out there. So yeah, that's pretty scary. I mean, right mm-hmm. now we're kind of living in a, in a, uh, smoke induced haze, I suppose. Isn't that wild? But I think you've got that over there with you too, right? We do. Yeah, we do. We have ash on the ground this morning everywhere and uh you know what was weird is yesterday the sun it was was red all day long yeah um and so i actually was looking at the sunlight coming through a window yesterday and it looked like this red light entering our home it was it was apocalyptic yeah there's a lot of apocalyptic situations right now i would say 2020 (laughs) what else could we add to 2020 don't ask good god man (laughs) <laughs> don't ask oh man yeah so yeah so so the fires are serious and if you're listening to this and you've lived through a fire or you're going through one right now um we're we're praying for you strength courage um for sure for you and yours yeah something like 900 fires in california over the last month 
something like that. It's crazy. Unbelievable. You grew up in this state. Do you remember it being like this when you were growing up? Oh, we've, always had, being like this? we've always had fires, but I, I don't feel like it was, it's been this bad, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, I think this year is in particular, it's pretty bad. Um, but I, I guess there was like 11,000 lightning strikes that, that started a bunch of these fires. This particular one, our El Dorado fire here, was started by a gender reveal party and, a, know, and a pyrotechnic. Those people... Those people are going to be on the hook for millions of dollars. That's pretty. Well, first of all, if you're doing gender reveal, keep it simple. Like cakes don't start fires. Yes. Like yes. Or maybe gender reveal is not something that's super needed anymore. I mean, I know that that's a new Instagram thing, but I don't know. I'm trying to, to, to two short observations. I'm trying to figure out what's the pyro for? Like what, what exactly, what was the theatrical moment? I don't know. Was it the because they, they blew up certain colors, like fire and, and pink or ah, blue? Okay. Was that it? That's good. That's I mean, good. that makes That's sense, good, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's good, yeah. Or maybe, um, maybe the mom emerged from a cloud of smoke and then set the gender. No, nobody does. I don't that. know. I don't think that's yeah, how it works. No, maybe it was, I think they stuff. said it was a smoke machine. I don't know how smoke machines set things on fire. Maybe it was actual smoke. Like we've got, you know, we've got haze machines in the church. They don't use fire. They use yeah. some sort of chemicals that are probably getting over our skin. But my second observation and, um, yes. is that we could probably spend a little more time on is that what, were there gender revealed parties when we had children? No. no. Where, has, where has this come from? Well, what is this? We were talking about this yesterday, my wife and I. Um, Instagram, right? Is that, is that it? Well, I think, I think people have seen them on Instagram and they're like, we got to do that. And you know, it's a whole thing and it's cute. And I don't know. I, I mean, I don't remember. We certainly didn't do it. We, were you people who found out like, was your gender re- reveal party birth or did you find out before? No, no, no. We were, we, we did not want that surprise. We're not those kind of parents, and I, which I have great respect for and love, etc. Many friends have done that. We, we, our gender reveal party was with an ultrasound. <laughs> yeah, ours was the same way for sure. That was the party. <laughs> no, man, we wanted to know so we could decorate the room the right way. Exactly, exactly. Well, I needed time to to think of a name too. And those yeah. things are they come slow to me. Be right. Um, well, you did so. So, so Instagram is is it, it no longer a tool we're using. The tool is using us. That's what it feels. Like. <laughs> that? Yeah. Well, that's exactly true, right? The medium is the message at this yeah. point, right? It's it's yeah. definitely changed. I would say it's definitely changed how we engage in everything, wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely. And to stay on the theme of gender reveals and engagements, for example. Um, engagements used to be a, a very private, uh, very personal, intimate thing that you did when you were asking somebody to commit their life to you. Now they are carefully planned photographical um, yeah. setups. E- events that, um, yeah, it, you know, it's, which I listen, I'm not saying, I'm not opposed to this. I'm not saying that it's wrong because most people are doing it this way now, but 
But uh, when people ask me, especially young men ask me for my opinion or my advice, or even if they don't, and I just feel like giving it, which happens often. <laughs> <laughs> I've noticed. Um, I've noticed that. <laughs> um, just, just, you know, make it, make it, make it personal and private. It's between you and the and How did the you ask your wife? Young woman. How'd you ask your wife? Um, very privately and personal. Yes. Did um, she know? Are we, are we telling the story? Well, if you want, yeah. I mean, because yeah. I think you're the one who needs to go first. You're the one who just celebrated your 25th year anniversary. Yeah, we did. Of, of marriage. Ours was, ours was simple, man. I, I, I lied to her and tricked her into going to my sister's house because they were out of town and we had to help with something there. It was, a, it was a ruse. It was a ruse, a deception. And then when we got there, I had burned my hand the week before, like I had set my hand on fire. So I, my dad had actually gone in, they went to Spaghetti Factory. That's how, that's how mm. hoity-toity we were. We went to Spaghetti Factory and he brought a few meals back and then it was all set up. And so we had this great meal. And then in a cream puff, I put her ring box. I emptied it out, I like emptied it out, put it in and she started to eat eat it and then thought something was wrong with her cream puff and was trying to be all clever. And finally she figured it out and opened it up. And I asked her and she said, yes. And it was just the two of us. That was it. No cameras, no nothing, just us. And, but I have, you know what? I, I have, um, I have verification that she said yes. Cause we've been what married for 20, we've been married oh, for yeah, okay, years. Yes, yes, yes. So I didn't really need the Instagram post, but how about you? How'd you do? Hello, sweet. How come I, how is it that I've known you for this long and I've never known this? I don't like, I don't to, know, tell you about, I don't like to tell you about the sweet things I do. I do lots of them, but I don't like to tell you. I like to keep up my rough you exterior. hollowed out a puff. You went through the yeah. trouble of doing that and you crammed the box in there. I didn't That's cram. Incredible. It, was a pretty, it was a pretty big cream puff. <laughs> it fit quite well, actually. <laughs> How'd you do it? How'd you do it? <clears throat> no, no, I'm no. sure yours was. No, yours no, I'm, was not done. I'm not done. I got more, there's more Q&A in this. You're, you're moving on too quickly, buddy. So it's your turn. Tell me, what kind of speech did you make? Do you remember it? I didn't did make, make a, a speech? speech. No, it was her birthday, too. So I oh. said, happy birthday. When she finally opened it up, I said, happy birthday. Would you and marry me? Your gift is me? No, I didn't say that. If you have me? <laughs> no, I just, I just said, will you marry me? And she said, yes. Oh, she said yes right away. There was no hesitation. Actually, she put the ring on. I don't know that she ever said yes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, <that's, laughs> I mean, apparently she thought she did. I think she did. I'm not sure. I can't remember. It was a long time ago. It was 25 years ago. Um, but no, it was sweet. It was sweet. But you're right. It was very personal. It was very private. It was our thing. And, and that's a memory yeah. that we get, to, we get to keep. Nobody else gets it. Yeah, yeah. But, but on like nowadays, I think these memories, I think people think of them as... Um, to be shared. Yeah. Uh, and they begin with, with that in mind instead of with a, um, a deeply personal memory I'm going to make with the person that I love. Is that a weird assumption that we assume everybody wants to be happy for us? Mm -hmm. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Say more. No. Do we just assume that everybody wants to know what's going on in our lives and that they're going to be happy for us? And that, I mean, is that... Is that a weird assumption that everybody needs to know or wants to know what's happening in my life? Okay, well now you're now you're diving into uh, deeper levels of troubling trends that I've 
seen over the last few years. Yeah, I mean, I'm which, just which wondering. Is the, which is that these, these tools are being used essentially to, yeah, to, um, yeah, build a fan base essentially. Well, and yeah, everyone, every, everyone does it. Everybody, you know, their followers and then you become an influencer. There's a thing called a micro-influencer. Does that just mean you don't have a lot of followers? And listen, I want to be super clear on something. I left social media about two months ago. We were and, going, that's where we're headed, by the way. Yeah, it's, it's, been quite, this. it's been quite good for my mental health, if you okay. want to know the truth, in this particular time. Um, and and what, well, what I realized is I may not... I may not need to know everything that's going on in everyone else's life. And that's okay. That's okay. Mm-hmm. I also don't need to know what everybody thinks they believe at every given moment of the day about every single topic, um, which maybe, maybe that's selfish of me. But um, it, it also means that I'm not confronted hourly by the divisiveness that we're living in, which is helpful mm-hmm. to me as a human being as well as a pastor. It also means that, um, that uh, in my opinion, I, I, am not, I am not exposed to the some just abject craziness that is out there that people seem to be buying into. And, you know, it's, I say that, I say that, um, I say that honestly, there is just some absolute craziness that people are buying into. People I love, people who I used to respect and have a very difficult time respecting now because of what they've decided to, you know, align themselves with. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about, you know, left or right. I'm talking about, okay, we've gone crazy and now we're beginning to conflate left or right and crazy on either side. And Mm -hmm. it's begun, it's begun to really trouble me that, um, A, that some people are so gullible as to believe anything that's put out on the internet. That's yeah. really that's really worrisome to me, because where has reasonable thought gone to? Sorry, I didn't mean to go off on that, but no, go but, this is but to not be confronted by that every single day has been very helpful to me. And maybe I'm less informed, which I probably am. But there's some things I don't know that I need to be informed about. And I felt this kind of before when people who overshare on the internet, in my opinion, um, mm. and I know that people make a living oversharing, but. Um, and maybe not everybody's opinion is worth the same. Mm. Could that be true? Maybe mm. an opinion from somebody who doesn't really know anything about the topic that they're, that they're waxing eloquent on, maybe that should, doesn't deserve my same attention as somebody who's actually worked in the field or studied or has a terminal degree in that particular area. Maybe that's what I should be listening to because there's actually some expertise in that. As opposed to, hey, I've got a platform. I'm just going to say whatever I think because a platform has never meant a correctness and b um, any sort of knowledge. It has just meant a platform. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, it makes makes. Uh, well, you and I have talked about this a lot. Just never, never into microphones with uh, the recording button pushed in. So let's go a little deeper. Um, why, what is the, why is it that I want to talk by the way, a little bit more about why you left social media. I don't think we've, mm-hmm. I don't think we've actually uh, dug deep enough into all that, but, but first, why do you think there has been such a loss of respect for real expertise or a departure in general from, um, 
yeah, from from um, what expertise can bring bring to the table. Why are we why why are people buying into the loudest voices that may or may not have facts straight? Well, I think I think we've probably always done that a little bit, right? We've probably always bought into the loudest voices. Um, and I'm, I'm in the middle, and I'm not by any means finished it. I'm in the middle of The Death of Expertise, which is a fascinating book. Um, I don't agree with all of it, but um, some of the things that he says I think is pretty, pretty thoughtful. I, listen, I grew up in an academic home, right? Uh, that doesn't make me better or worse than anybody else. It doesn't mean I know everything. It doesn't mean the people that I was surrounded with know everything. But they were experts in their field, right? They couldn't fix a car, by and large. Um, which is a different kind of expertise. And it's, it's great. Thank God we have mechanics and thank God we have plumbers. I, I, I don't make any, I don't think there's, there's any sort of hierarchy on if someone got a degree or somebody teaches at a university or whatever. I don't think that they're better than anyone else. I think they have a different sort of skill set, right? That's a skill set mm -hmm. I had the opportunity to grow up around. Um, and when you live with somebody who's kind of master of his, of his knowledge base, and his expertise, you begin to realize, hey, he spent 25, 35, 45 years studying this. He actually knows some things that other people don't know. And I, I would watch my dad when he would go and, and speak somewhere and someone would say, well, that's not true. And he would say, what research have you done on that? How do you know that that's not true? Because I've spent the last 15 years studying this and I've, I've you know, surveyed 60,000 young people in the Seventh-day Adventist church. So where are you getting your information that mm. you don't think it's true, right? And the problem is there's, well, A, there's access to information all over the place. We don't always understand the, not just the bias, but, you know, because there's, there's a difference between fake and biased, right? Something yes. can be true and then delivered to you in a biased manner. That's, that's, you know, we hear fake news all the time. That's not necessarily true. That may be biased news, but the things still happen. Right, that's different than fake news. Fake news is, you know, fake news is, you know, the the tabloid as you're at the supermarket that says Princess Diana was killed by aliens that lived inside mm -hmm. her baby or something. I don't know, something crazy like that. That's fake. That's fake. The fact that certain things happen and they're given to you biased, and your bias can be on either side of that coin, right? On either 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 side of whatever issue that you're on or where you feel like, um, you know. But I don't think we discern between that a great deal. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that when we allow the loudest voices to do our discernment for us, we're in real trouble. Yeah. That's my opinion. One skill. So one of the skills that you probably learned in uh, growing up uh, was uh, to ask questions. To ask, to ask real, real questions. Crit critical thinking requires uh, that you ask real tough questions of everything. All the information that's coming at you. And that's a skill that I think we don't, lots of people don't have. Right. Um, I shouldn't say lots of people. Some people who are posting a lot don't, don't haven't, haven't engaged in. Um, so can you say more about what led to your departure from social media? And by the way, I, I understand you're not saying you're permanently off social media. You're just taking a Yeah, I'm not sure exactly sabbatical. what to do about it. It feels pretty good not to be on it right now, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah, quite honestly, I was tired of being accosted by people that had too much access and decided that, that their opinion needed to be my opinion and that I, if I said anything, I was somehow personally attacking them. 
Mm. And and inappropriate things were being said to me in the in the messages. I was being sent videos and things that I I chose not to see. I choose not to put into into you know into my life. And mm. you know I I it was inappropriate. I wouldn't let somebody walk into my house and do that. Why am I going to let somebody walk onto my Facebook page or why am I giving people that kind of direct access to my head? Mm. And the vitriol and anger that was there was unreasonable. And so I decided that I didn't need that. I happened to be on vacation at the time and it was taking up real estate that I needed to be giving to my family. So I decided I would step away at least for the vacation. And after three weeks, I had no desire to go back. Mm. How's, how's the feeling now? Do you feel like you're missing out on anything? Um, I mean, sometimes I suppose, but I don't feel like I'm missing out on, on important things. And, you know, here's the problem. It's really hard to be reasonable in today's world. Mm. I mean, Sam, I've always thought you, of you as a very reasonable person, right? Not, not kind of middle centrist, you know, kind of a middle, not middle of the road guy. That's not to say without an opinion, but some people would probably think that the way that you think right now is radical, but that's not because you've changed what you think. It's because it's because that continuum has just shifted. Right. Yeah. And then everyone's trying to get us to believe in a false binary that it's this or that. When has, yes. when has the world worked like that? When has humanity worked like that? I mean, with our sports teams, maybe. But by and yeah. large, people are super complex and issues are super complex. And to, to, to denigrate an issue, like let's take something that you're in, to denigrate an issue like healthcare and make it into a soundbite, not only exactly. diminishes as important, it makes it nonsensical. We're no longer having a conversation about healthcare. We're having a conversation about something significantly different because we're not having conversations. Yeah. You know, we're, we're shooting tweets back and forth at people. We're, we're watching headlines. I mean, I can't tell you the amount of articles that have been given to me from, I mean, a clearly, many clearly biased um, Bias news feeds. Now that's fine. As soon the first thing I do before I read any article that anyone sends me is I go and research the the journal that it's coming to me from. Hmm. And as soon as I know where the journal is coming to me from, I know where the end of that article is going to be. Yeah. Isn't that isn't that isn't that interesting? Just look at the heading of who published this, and you can already tell. And you know where it's going. And hopefully most people can do that. And then there's, there's reputable biased news reporting, right? There's reputable, more unbiased news reporting. And then there's just wackadoo stuff. Hmm. And it's not all the same. And so when it shows up in your feed with this, you know, with a big headline, our our heads go, oh man, oh wow, we should probably, that's probably true. Hmm. And that's, that's, Hmm. that is a loss of discernment that really concerns me. Absolutely. Yeah. But um, like if enough people are talking about it, then it must be legitimate. Like le- the legitimize, legitimizing something on social media is just simply getting it into the, the circulation enough. Uh, that's right. what I've noticed that um, if it's been shared enough, then you assume, okay, this, there's something to this, but often there isn't. It's right. just some nutty conspiracy craziness uh, spinning out of control. One concern I have, look, I'm not really on social media much either. I don't know if you've noticed that, although I did not walk away completely like you did. Um, 
I don't fire it up too much because it is just, it, it's, you can spiral so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a whole lot of good news and joy and hope. Um, those things don't get traction um, on social media. Usually things are weaponized and fired off like torpedoes at each other. What I've noticed is that um, what it gets really ugly is the comments. When people begin commenting on on stories and that's that's where i've i've said for a number of years now that the worst of the human condition is exposed when you give people the appearance of a cloak of invisibility and they can say whatever they want uh, to each other thinking that they're not really visible to each other but they are um wow can we behave in the most gross possible ways like people will say things to you on social media they would never say to your face ever. I, yeah, but I don't know. I don't know. It feels like the world's rhetoric right now is, is just vitriolic, right? I don't know that, I don't know that the, the anonymity people care so much anymore. Because listen, well, I think, and I think especially with like people of faith, right? People of faith, when they believe in something, they actually believe it's a righteous thing. Right. Not just, not just having to do with faith. Um, but, but now that faith has been politicized, everything's been politicized. What they believe in is righteous. I mean, I probably feel that way too. I think we all do. Right. Um, because we're people of faith, we've landed on a a particular opinion on something and we believe that it's righteous. Therefore the people who disagree with us are, are de facto unrighteous. And if they're unrighteous, then they're less than we don't mean to do that, but we do that. And when they're less than, we don't have to treat them with respect. We don't have to treat them with humanity anymore. And, and that's what I've seen in, in the commentary, if you will, back and forth. And I, I, find that, I find that very troublesome for people who claim Christ. Very yes. troublesome. Yes. Because if we're not going to care about the totality of what Christ said about what it means to live in the kingdom of God. We're just going to pick one thing or two things and everything else is, and, and it doesn't affect my behavior. I mean, we just did the book of James at my church. We just spent 13 weeks in the book of James and he talks about sins of speech more than anything else. Hmm. And the way that I've seen Christians go after one another. And again, hmm. I'm not talking on one side or the other, both sides are guilty of, and, and the fact that we're even talking about a binary of sides between Christians, what's wrong yeah, with wow. us? Hmm. What's wrong with us? Do we not, I mean, who do we serve? Yeah. Because we serve Christ, yes. not Caesar, not any Caesar. Over 2,000 years, well, not any Caesar. That, but that may be, this, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to add to the controversial nature of this episode, Tim, but that may be part or at the heart of the problem is that uh, faith and national identity have, um, they're, they're swirled together. Big proper swirl cake right now. (laughs) Wasn't that a first century problem? It's not only was it a first century problem. I think John the revelator wrote about it. Uh, that is what the revelation, the book is about, isn't it? Uh, large portions of it are calling out the combining of political and 
religious power or religious fervor. Mm -hmm. uh, those two things are toxic. Matter of fact, I'm pretty sure the revelator to call the beast power. Y yeah. Uh, you're, 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 a, you're a much better revelation scholar than I've ever been, for sure. I haven't spent oh. a great deal of time on that. No, no, I'm just saying I haven't spent a great who, deal of time on that. Who is, a, who is a good revelation scholar? I mean, this is like... <laughs> Christians have been trying to figure out what Revelation is about for, for 2000 or 1900 years. Right. The playground, who was it? Who was it? They call it the playground of the insane. Um, <laughs> the, um, some author, some commentary in the 1600s, the, wow. the, the book of Revelation is the playground of the insane. But the, there's major things that are, that are pretty, I mean, they don't change. Not, it doesn't matter which commentary you're reading. And that is, um, Political power or nationalism combined with faith, it's a dead end. Not a dead end. It's going to lead to, to a horrific outcome. Right. Um, and I think that's part of the problem. You know, the other, the other problem I think I, I see is that, and I think I've talked about this before, if not here, I'll, other places, another place, I don't know where, <laughs> is that is the loss of the, well, loss of civility for sure. Yeah. But, yeah. The ability to say honestly to each other, especially for people who claim, claim Jesus, as James taught us over the course of the, this, you know, this series that you did at Crosswalk, to just say graciously, I disagree with you, and then move on to finding common ground we can work from to build a relationship that is mutually beneficial, that we've lost that ability. Right now we're stuck in, in this cycle. We're stuck in the cycle of saying to each other, um, you're, you're, you're ignorant because you don't know the facts. Mm -hmm. right? that, that's the first line of assault against somebody that has a different position than yours. Oh, you're, you're, just, you're just ignorant. You don't have the facts. But, but if the person has the same facts, then the, the, the escalation to that is you're stupid. You have the same facts that I have, but so you're not ignorant but you don't understand them, that makes you stupid. You don't understand them the way I do, that makes you stupid. And when we realize, hey, no, you're not stupid because the people I disagree with often are actually, they're actually intelligent, uh, reasonable. Um, so they're not ignorant or stupid. Then if you have the same facts and you don't understand them, but you arrive at a different conclusion, then, then you're evil. You're right. willfully choosing to not arrive at the same conclusion I have. So ignorance, stupid, and evil are the only options available. And, and, then, and then put a, put, a whole, put a whole layer of anger on that. Anger and access to guns. <laughs> that's, that's a whole nother podcast problem. Well, you know, it's like, this yeah, is, this is what- this That is ratchets up okay? everything. That ratchets up everything, right? Firepower makes anger a lot more, a lot more volatile. Okay, isn't this why we ended up with a situation with a person showing up at a pizza parlor about to shoot up the place because the ignorance, stupidity, evil. He arrived at the conclusion, oh, evil, I've got to, then I've got to go save the world. Right. That's you're talking the about, problem. You're talking we about can't QAnon just disagree. Right yeah, you're I, talking I am, about QAnon. We name I'll just names, call okay? it. I'll just call it for okay. what it is, which, by the way, is Gnosticism. It is classic Gnosticism. Say more. Secret, secret information coming in coded language for a select few. 
It's Gnosticism, dude. Tim, give us a little history of what Gnosticism is. In uh, Gnosticism in came into the church in the first century. Paul wrote about it. Lots of different writers wrote about it. John wrote about it. This concept that there's a secret, a secret message out there that only certain people can decode and get get a hold of, and those people are in, and the rest of the people are out, and they're stupid and they don't know, right? And and. The church fought Gnosticism in the first century. It was one of the first heresies to come up. And they were, it was, mm-hmm. it was dwindled in because people were living in this, like they believed in the, in the, the mystical idea of Jesus. And then, and then somebody took it a little bit further and somebody came and said, well, I've got secret knowledge that you don't have yet. And I'll, I'll dole it out slowly. It's cute, dude. And mm-hmm. the, fact, the fact that Christians are falling into this is and maybe we'll lose all our leadership or listenership, readership, leader. I don't know what they do with <laughs> Maybe we'll lose everything, but, but come on, this is asinine. And yeah. it is, if you're biblical, you see that you see, wait a second, there's something wrong here. And by the way, it's setting up an antichrist. If, if Trump is the only one who can solve anything, they're setting up an antichrist. I, and I'm saying he is, I'm saying, I'm saying Q is. Yeah. And, and there yeah. is biblical precedent for this conversation. I'm sorry, if somebody doesn't like it, I don't know what to tell you. You need to get back in the word because yeah. this, is, this is a modern day Gnosticism leading us to an antichrist. Because mm. first of all, nobody, Trump, Biden, nobody's gonna save us. Let's yeah. be clear, Christ is gonna save us. Again, we serve Christ, not any Caesar, first of all. Second of all, we're becoming idolaters to our ideology right? Yeah. Thinking that our ideology is going to save us. Again, not going to save us. Jesus is going to save us, right? And, and if, if we're not there as Christians, where are we? What have we become? We've become something different, maybe. We have. Okay, are we going to be able to publish this? Did I just go? No, we are. Well, we agreed before we pushed record today that we had to be honest and real about this. Um, and I have, I have, so what what may happen is that we may generate interest in QAnon of people who have not familiar with it. Um, and I would just don't. caution the listeners to, to don't get involved. Um, just don't, it is, uh, um, you know, one of the, one of the key or the, the things I hear from that world is do your own research, do your own research. Well, we've done it for you. And I can tell you it, it's, it's not healthy. It's not a healthy world. No. It's, a, it's a world that's going to lead you to a whole lot of pain. And um, yeah, there's, um, yeah, there's great peril there. And if you believe it's in any sort of, any sort of manner prophetic, because that's how this Q person has set himself up, then by the fruits, you will know them. And what are the fruits that are happening here? <laughs> um, the fruits are division paranoia um if you're a christian it's leading is leading to the kind of labeling and that jesus stands directly against uh it's leading to violence uh what else can we add to it um yeah not good nothing good yeah yeah i i 
I, this is my trouble as a spiritual leader. And, and maybe even that doesn't matter anymore. And if you want to know the truth, that's how I feel. I'll just, I'll be a hundred percent honest with you. And I don't think I have been anywhere else. Um, it feels like people no longer listen to anything, but something that agrees with their ideology as a pastor. I know that what I've been preaching for five years is being ignored. I know because of the way people have gone back and forth with one another. I, I, I am, I am almost to a moment of despair in saying it does what we do as ministers. It does it even matter anymore? I mean, I don't think it helps that, you know, we can't meet together in person, but I wonder, could we, could we even meet together in person with the anger and vitriol that I've seen in our communities? Could we even meet together? Or is it a blessing that we're actually not meeting together because people couldn't handle themselves once they actually saw each other in the room? I worry, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm making it, you know, worse than it is because, you know, I, I go, you know, to the store and everybody seems to be functioning just fine. Like we all, you know, buy what, you know, buy our, our food and get out of the store together. But, but I am concerned. And I, I've said this in my preaching. I'm definitely concerned with a Christian witness because if you've been screaming about some conspiracy theory and, and people don't believe in it or it's proven wrong, explain to me how you're going to begin to tell them about Christ after that. Or does that not matter anymore? Is that not the most important thing for us as Christians? Because if it's no longer the most important thing for us as Christians, we should probably change our name into something else. Hmm. And, and like my, my frustration is palpable, man. I've, I've actively looked for other jobs. Hmm. Because if what well. I'm saying is falling on deaf ears again and again and again and again, then, then I'm not the guy. My voice is not one to be listened to. And, and when we give over the authority in our life to someone, to, to voices that we think might have our best interests in mind, but don't know us, I mean, it's the loss of the local community, right? And I, mm -hmm. that's what I think the pandemic has really hurt. It's the loss of the local community. Hmm. But but I don't know. I, I am concerned that what used to be reasonable is considered radical. And if I say one thing, I hate everything else. That's not true. Hmm. And that's not fair. You know, and, and people who adhere to that kind of binaryism in this political debate, in this world that we're living in, right? And by the way, not everything's political. Not every single thing on the planet is political. That's a little exhausting. You know? Hmm. but I, I just wonder, I wonder how we're going to get back. And I have deep concerns and maybe I'm hmm. not hopeful enough, but I feel despair. And I don't know. I mean, how do you feel? I'm, I've been talking too much. How do you feel? You know, we were talking about the death of expertise, mm -hmm. uh, beginning of this podcast. Um, I, I think that, that's part of what's happening in, in pastoral world is that people have lost confidence in you and other pastors to lead them right now. Um, um, that they, you know, it's like a, they trust their orthopedic surgeon 
but for some reason they think that they can do better or they can get better access to better information um, than, than their pastor can online. And that's what I fear for the whole profession of ministry right now, um, is that we don't really have a, a sense that this individual has prepared all their life. They've been called by God. They've, they've done the work. They've done the research um, to lead us spiritually. Now, please don't hear this as an argument for apostolic authority or, you know, no, I think I, I, I am definitely a priesthood of all believers person. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, when you say something like Paul, Paul's preaching was exposing the mystery, saying the mystery, the, the mystery is Jesus revealed. That's it. Right. Um, when you say something like that and someone reacts with a, well, not really, because QAnon has told us that there's hidden things that will be you know, then we've got a, we've got a problem of trust in, in the, the pastoral leadership. That's, that's my, my sense right now. Now, I wonder, Tim, how many pastors are feeling like you right now in how many places? You know, yeah, I, don't know. I wonder the, the sense of, um, it's just, it's, a, it's despairing to see what people are buying into. Mm -hmm. And the way they're reacting to what they're buying into. Yeah. Um, there's, it's, um, the reasonable, a reasonable voice is no longer audible. Yeah. It's gotten lost. Well, um, and, and there's so many trigger words, right? You say one thing, you hate everything else. You say another thing, you hate all that first stuff. Like that's not, you can almost not speak. Well, and, and by and large, a lot of times that's the people listening. It's not the people talking, mm. you know? And I said this to my church eight months ago. I said it in no back in November. I said, we're moving into an election season. You're going to be listening with your particular ears. At some point you got to trust, you know, you got to mm. trust that, that, that I'm trying to be as close to scripture as possible to find a way through this. Now that doesn't mean I don't have my own opinions, but I've, I've done, I've tried really hard to be respectful of the pulpit and speak what I see in scripture. Hmm. You know, and, but listen, preaching has never been about making everybody happy. I understand that. And I know that I certainly haven't done that. But um, when I see good, thoughtful people buying into some ridiculousness, I, I fear for my congregation. I fear for my country. I fear for um, my family. Because there's, there are things that are unreasonable. There are things that are simply wrong. Hmm. You know, I, so I don't know. I don't know. That's, I'm not helping. <laughs> <laughs> no, you are. I think you're getting us to think deeply about this today. And I think it's important that we do this. Now, I think here's, here's a couple of takeaways from me, okay? Um, this is a difficult time for everybody. Mm -hmm. I think um, it's, it's especially a difficult time. We've named the people who are probably feeling stretched, pulled one way or another. And I, and I feel for them today and I pray for them. And I, yeah. if it's you, dear listener, uh, um, may God be with you. We, Tim and I, feel the same way yeah. um, you do right now. Uh, I know everyone, 
thinks that they're centrist and they're the most moderate and the most, but I think we're in a, I think we're in an environment where people who, who thought, hey, um, there's got to be a way forward. We, we've got to, we've got to figure a bridge build and figure out a way to um, work together to accomplish the same goals um, are feeling like despairing that there's, there's no way forward right now. Yeah. The chasm between us is so big and people are just basically camped out on one side of the street and the other shouting at each other from, from bullhorns that it's hard to be the person trying to walk uh, in the middle of all that. Um, if you feel in that way, please know that you're not alone. And I want to say to one other takeaway is that um, we've spoken pretty strongly about what we think is the worst of these conspiracy movements. And if you're, if you're caught in one of those, please feel nothing but love from us, but um, it, it's, you are in danger, brother or sister, you're in yeah. danger. And we feel for you. And if you want help, we can, we can arrange help for you to get out of that cycle of, of a toxic ugliness that you may be in. No, I know that if you're really in that world and you hear me say that right now, I'm part of the problem. <laughs> Probably. A cabal of global shadow actors who are trying to destroy the, the fabric of, of uh, but we're not. Tim and I are committed Jesus followers who are, who love you and care about you and, uh, and, and want the best for you too. And we pray for you. Um, my final takeaway is this, man. I, Tim, you know, I love you and I pray for you. And I think for me, you represent the best of what's happening in ministry in the work of the church and renewing the church and bringing hope to people um, through through the church. That, um, and um, brother, I hope that every pastor who's feeling the same way you're feeling right now will know that there is hope. Yeah. That we're first of all gonna get past this the fires, begin with the fires we're dealing with right now. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna get past the pandemic that we're going to get past November 4 is coming and it may get, it may get ugly, but who, who gave us this work to do? Uh, who, who asked us to uh, look to the hills when things seem despairing down here in the Valley? Um, we're, we're going to get past this. And, and when, when the church emerges from this, is is more than ever going to need you, Tim, and every pastor, every pastor, um, to inhabit the pulpits again, and lead the people that have been floundering for the last seven or eight months. Yeah, yeah. I, I so just my word. Thank you, and you know. And by the way, before you speak again, because I know I, I do this. I break your train of thought. Um, <laughs> no one, I don't know anyone who does it better than you, Tim. Well, um, the, to handle scripture like you do every week, week by week, to give it so much time and love and attention and focus and to do it with, um, with love for your congregation, um, for your flock, for your sheep. Um, yeah. That's, um, that's, that to me is uh, in, inspiring. And you're getting on a plane tomorrow. Yeah. To go, to go see your flock in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Yep. Uh, in the yep. middle of a pandemic. 
right? So yeah. you care. Well, you know, Sam, quite a few years ago, we, we happened upon a phrase that has, um, I think has fueled a lot of the work that we've done since then. And it was a pretty simple phrase. It was Jesus, full stop, all, full stop. This idea that we believe that Jesus is all we need and that Jesus encompasses everything that God is and everything that he wants the world to be. And, um, and there's nothing higher, there's nothing greater, there's not another apex in, in humanity, in culture, nothing that, that is above who Jesus is for us and through us. And I've said this a lot, you know, hope is not seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Hope is in the dark, being in the darkness, believing that there's light at the end of the tunnel. Mm. And that's, that's what we have to hold on to, right? And, you know, maybe people are like, well, it's not that bad. What are these guys talking about? Whatever. I hope, I hope that's true. I feel it pretty deeply, but maybe, maybe that's just the way I am. But um, we, do have to, we do have to be bringers of hope if we're Christians. And if you're listening to this and what you're about to write on Facebook, what you're about to write on Instagram does not lead us to greater hope, don't do it. Don't do it. It's an opinion of yours and that's great. You can have it. But if it doesn't lead to greater hope, please, the world doesn't need it. It doesn't need to be out in the world anymore. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That's a weird place to stop, but I know you got a meeting and I got a meeting and we should probably go do our real jobs. <laughs> so Sam, thank you for your um, kind words as always, brother. Love you, bro. Um, right. Love you too, man. And love all hey. of you, dear listeners. Yes, there's my friends. Thanks for listening so, again. And by the way, if you haven't, we've got some, we've got some good, um, I think we've got some good guests coming up. I'm not going to say who, but we do have some good guests coming up in the next few weeks. So be listening for that. All right. All right. We'll see you everybody. Thank you so good. much. Have a great day. its theme music is produced by Michael Lenore and our content manager is Teresa Rojas. Tim is the lead pastor of Crosswalk Church in Redlands, California, and Sam oversees spiritual care for Adventist Health. Thank you for joining them for today's conversation. For more information on what they have going on or to support their ministry financially, visit www.samandtim.com. That is S-A-M, the letter N, T-I-M.com.